The NFL waiver wire produced plenty of additional roster movement with some players that were in high demand. We're reacting to the latest today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Joe, happy Thursday. Happy start of wild, wacky, flailing, inflatable two-man week one of college football season to you. It's exciting, right? Was the games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Sunday? Sunday. Monday? Monday. Yeah. So like, then we just have to get through Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the NFL's here for correct. us on Thursday. Correct. Good times are here again. The sky is blue. All right. NFL waiver, wire, transactions, it all yes. continues. Um, I feel like the dust is finally settled, which is exciting because you and I are going to spend some time here in the coming days like doing a roster reset. Kyle calls a timeout. I still got six practice squad spots to figure out. You do? What's going yes. on there at Dolphins Land? What's going on here? I have What's that three, from? Timon, I have, Lion King. I have three uh, vested veteran spots and three first slash second year player spots that are currently just wide open. So my dust up. has not settled. Oh, man. So I took exception to that because I, I just assumed like, oh, everything yeah. was what was happening in Bill's world and they've got it all figured out. So I just I didn't know. Nope. Nope. So they're keeping you busy throughout the coming days because mm -hmm. uh, you got to cover that stuff over there on Locked On Dolphins. Um, but anyways, the point that I was getting to is we're going to do some roster reset stuff early next week. We're going to uh -huh. spend the next couple of days kind of looking at those roster assessments that we did through the summer and taking the time to look at what really went down and really – having the depth charts to start the year and giving us some insight as to how these teams stack up entering the year. So that's coming up uh, early next week. Tomorrow's takes on takes. So, you know, the drill comment on this YouTube video and give us your takes. We'll get to the best ones tomorrow on the show. All right. So waiver wires, waiver claims. It's always eye-opening to see just how few waiver claims there are relative to the amount of players that are cut through across the league, right? Mm -hmm. We got like two dozen waiver claims total across all 32 teams yesterday that came through around lunchtime. Uh, Arizona got six. I think that tells you everything you need to know about the state <laughs> of the affairs over there in Arizona. They claim six. A lot of acorn, a lot of stones being turned over, searching for acorns. Uh, Carolina got three. Chicago got two. 
I believe those are the only teams that had in excess. No, I lied. Green Bay, Houston, Indianapolis, Seattle all also got multiple waiver claims. Um, Indianapolis also claimed three. So those are kind of your leaders in the clubhouse for like churning the bottom of their roster. There were only two players, though, Joe Marino, who received multiple claims from teams on the waiver wire. They are offensive lineman Nick Broker, who is now with the Houston Texans, originally with the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. and Elijah Higgins, tight end, now with the Arizona Cardinals, previously with the Miami Dolphins. So we figured a little spotlight for what it is about these two players that prompted multiple teams to kind of have a market form as we're getting settled in here on this episode. Locked on NFL Scout. Yeah, those are the two guys, most in-demand players. Elijah Higgins, Nick Broker, players we know well. So we figured we'd start off our conversation today with those players. Elijah Higgins had the most claims. Five teams tried to claim him. Uh, three claimed or tried to claim Nick Broker. So let's start with the guy with the most claims, Elijah Higgins. What's the deal there? What are the uh, what are the Cardinals? Sure. Uh, height, weight, speed guy was a wide receiver at Stanford. Super physical blocker type. I think about roles in the NFL that are similar to what Higgins was at Stanford. And I think of like Noah Brown from Ohio State with the Cowboys, like big physical helps you in the run game. They used him on the perimeter a lot in the screen game. Stanford ran that weirdo long mesh Wake Forest option last year. Yeah, right. So it's just a real treat to watch (laughs) their offense execute. Uh, He goes to the senior bowl, gets some reps with the tight ends. Miami drafts him with the intention of converting him uh, to tight end. And he flashed quite a bit early on in camp. He flashed in the first preseason game that Miami played against Atlanta. And then his reps in the preseason games really dwindled. And you got every impression that they were really trying to sneak him through onto the practice squad as a guy that was converting to to tight end from wide receiver. But, I mean, Arizona's got Michael Wilson, who was mm-hmm. the other Stanford. Oh, they receiver. got them both? Yeah, so they, okay. they got them both now. So I am yeah. highly unsurprised that Arizona went and claimed him because they're obviously familiar with the tape because they drafted Michael Wilson, like in the third round, I think, is when they drafted him too. Mm-hmm. So... Um, he's a player who is probably going to need a little bit of time from a blocking perspective, but he's really fluid for a guy of his stature. He's a little bit more rocked up now than what he was before. And you've seen this pathway before for big wide receivers that convert to tight end and have success. So I don't know that he's going to be a big time impact player in year one, hence why he was cut placed on waivers in the first place for Miami. But he is a player that I, I think has very good prognosis for being a, uh, solid contributing NFL tight end year two, year three. Nick Broker, Buffalo Bills interior offensive lineman, was a seventh-round draft pick out of Ole Miss. And you mentioned kind of trying to be sneaky and get him through to the practice squad. The Bills didn't even play Nick Broker in that third preseason game, I guess, trying to hide him. But I I think I always knew that he was going to get claimed by somebody. There was never really a path for him to make the Bills roster uh, just due to what they have on the interior offensive line, it's probably one of the deeper positions on on the roster in general. Um, with your after your starters, Morris Torrance in uh, Connor McGovern, you have David Edwards and Ryan Bates already as backups. So it's just it's a numbers problem for Nick Broker. He always kind of needed some help in terms of injuries to make the roster. 
And Broker came out of Ole Miss, started there as a left tackle. Doesn't necessarily have the length uh, and width to play tackle in the NFL, but uh, made a switch later in his career at Ole Miss to, to left guard. And I think that really helped put him on the radar as a prospect. I'm pretty sure he started every game in his career at Ole Miss. And um, senior bowl guy. And watching him throughout the the preseason, I, I think my my big takeaway from him is not only did he play well, but he played with good coordination and control. He's not a people mover. He's not an overly dynamic athlete, but he's functional and he plays within himself. And I think that's a nice foundation, right? There's so many offensive linemen that come through that just don't play with good body control. They're lunging all the time and they're whiffing on blocks. They can't stay latched. And so while Broker's not going to displace you, he's not going to out-athlete you, his ability to play within himself makes him extremely functional. And I think he's got some room to really develop his frame and, and get stronger. And there's a, just a lot of appeal there for him as um, a project, but one that I think can be a swing interior guy for you um, in time. And so I, I, I always knew he was going to get claimed and, and good for him going to Houston, uh, the team that just can't stop investing in the O-line. We, we were talking about them yesterday. We forgot about them yeah. trading for Josh Jones. I mean, this team, oh, yeah. This team's not messing around. They want O-line for C.J. Stroud, and I can really respect that. Um, so those two were the only ones that received multiple claims. But as we said, we had about two dozen, and next we're going to kind of work through some of the other standout claims based off of our familiarity in the draft space. And obviously with the rosters that these teams have put together and having done a, a dive on all these teams over the summer and a chance to reset, we're going to kind of recalibrate where some of these guys that have landed, where we think they may ultimately end up contributing or not contributing to their new teams after the waiver claims that we learned of yesterday, Joe. But folks, we have a deal for you. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel America's number one sports book. So check this out right now. New customers can bet $5 and that'll get you $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus check this out. All customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So folks, now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from player Props, spreads, and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. You get the bonus bets, 200 bucks in bonus bets, plus 100 bucks off Sunday ticket. You know you want to watch all the games. Check it out. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Any games? I think there's two names that we both know were fifth round rookie corners that we alluded to getting yeah. cut yesterday on the show, but we both know where they landed and they both got claimed. So which one do you want to start with? Darius Rush going to the Chiefs. I mean, they've had a big youth movement in their secondary, and it just continues now, right? I mean, with a long, athletic, toolsy guy uh, that I think has appeal in some different coverage concepts. We know Spags likes to be physical with his DBs and and really blend the coverages there, and I think that's just a great add for them to be able to come up with at this point to continue adding young players to their secondary yeah um he profiles a lot like a number of other guys that they've had success with think about like Jalen watson right legerius sneed josh they've williams. got a josh williams they got a body type at corner and they have showcased time and time again 
that they understand how to maximize that body type at the cornerback position. So if you were to tell me, here's the profile of this player, height, length, speed, strengths and weaknesses as far as like tendencies on film, pick a place for him to go that you feel like yeah. has a really good chance to maximize him. Yeah. It's probably Steve Spagnuolo and the Kansas City Chiefs. So how about the, the receivers in that division, right? Cortland Sutton, Devontae Adams, Mike Williams, um, a lot of big bodied guys. Quentin Johnson now with the Chargers. Yeah. Some some matchup specific players as well that you feel like translate to where he's gonna function best. Yeah. So I, I like the fit there for him. And then I also like the fit of Caillou Blue Kelly in Seattle. Surprise, surprise. Seattle went for a big physical corner type. Yeah. It's it's been the book on Seattle for forever. And then they got a fifth round pick last year in Tariq Woolen, who tied for the league lead in interceptions last year, if I remember correctly. Healthy amount. Uh, a very healthy amount. And there are some differences with Tariq Woolen and, and Caillou Blue Kelly, obviously, where Caillou Blue Kelly uh, ran mid four fives. And that kind of sapped the enthusiasm for his draft stock where Woolen ran lightning fast, but was generally inexperienced as a former college wide receiver. So there's different dynamics for how these guys got to the fifth round. As far as Baltimore not keeping Caillou Blue Kelly, I, I guess I get it. They've had a lot of young investments at the cornerback position over the last couple of years. Tons. So, so I, under, I understand it. Um, where Seattle, I think there's a great roll of the dice for them to, to go out and get another big physical corner. They've, they, they have not been scared off in the past by guys that don't run well and they've had success with it. So just like, uh, Darius rush and profiling as a certain type and going to a place where that kind of player has, has had success. You're not saying this guarantees success for either guy, but it does feel like it's putting them in the best position to maximize their opportunities. And I think even Caillou Blue Kelly more so than landing in Baltimore. Kyle, I really liked a couple players that Chicago was able to claim. Uh, Quindell Johnson, safety from Memphis. I think he's a bit of an underrated guy. I enjoyed watching him at Memphis. I think in some ways he can be the type of player that DeAndre Houston Carson was for them as a big safety that can play special teams. Uh, maybe be kind of that a versatile sub package guy. He intrigues me quite a bit, but also we've been talking about the defensive line and them getting Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame and a defensive end, I think is a very worthwhile roll of the dice there as they need some bodies there to round out their rotation. We know with Matt Eberflus, he's going to rotate guys in and out. Um, I think he's got a couple of – I mean, Yannick Ngakwe was a nice addition. I I like Travis Gibson. Justin Jones has a little bit of ability. Those young players and Pickens and Dexter, right? Uh, but more, just having more to give yourself as many opportunities to kind of hit on some of these guys as you rebuild that defensive line rotation and have a lot of young players in the mix. Was there a more untalked about but very weird storyline than the entire Travis Gibson saga in Chicago? Extremely weird. The whole trajectory has been weird. I so, loved him two years ago. Loved him. And then it was reported that he requested a trade. Yep. 
Then he said he never requested a trade, but he was cut from the team. I believe I saw he signed in Tennessee this morning. We need we need to know for sure. Is he really? He, he's not on their team anymore. They they cut him. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah, he's on Tennessee. So he's going to be a good player for Tennessee, right? So this this is the. This was the explanation that Ryan Poles gave on Wednesday, yesterday. In terms of Travis Gibson, love that kid. It was more of a fit thing, scheme fit. I think his success came in a different scheme. We had a great conversation yesterday. I'm excited to see where he goes and what he does. I don't think he fell short. I'll just say that with us, like Ryan touched on, uh, he has had his most production of 3-4 scheme versus a 4-3 assistant general manager, Ian Cunningham, echoed. Okay. <laughs> the team that signed Yannick and Gakwe. Okay. I don't know about that, man. So requested a trade, was reported requested a trade. He didn't request a trade. They cut him. They desperately need pass rushers. Good get for Tennessee, in my opinion. I don't know. We're out here talking three, four versus four, three in the year 2023, too. It's how about Indies Hall? I like Indies Hall as well. Ryan Hayes, uh, Isaiah Land, and Josh Shills. I, I think those are, are three guys who could probably be modest contributors. Now, I, I think Hayes, they'll have to decide, is he a guard or a tackle? Um, but he he played well when he got into games for Miami at left tackle. Um, Isaiah Land, I think, brings a level of juice to their potential pass rush that they did not have elsewhere. Obviously that's a big leap in competition from Florida A&M. So how quickly he acclimates is, is probably the question there for applying his pass rush capabilities. And then uh, Josh Sills was a really sturdy, powerful guy. I think that's a potential upgrade over. I believe I saw Danny Pinter is hurt. Um, I would not be surprised if Josh Sills is straight up a, Upgrade over Danny Pinter, regardless. Agreed. Agreed. It's nice work there. Anything else stand out to you? Um, this Green Bay hoarding another tight end, Ben Sims. He that, that guy can block. So, if you're looking for blocking tight ends, Kyle has the full uh, inventory. Right in the He's got the Rolodex. There's a special thing on his desk. That you can flip through at any point and tell you who the block. I actually do have like a little small spiral bound notebook that I just bought for watching games, and I was going to hold it up as a joke, but it's over there on the other table. Oh, you hate to see it. Yeah, the bit's ruined. My apologize. All right, what's not ruined is the rest of this podcast. In just a moment, we're going to take a unique look at some of the rosters in the league through the lens of how much turnover year to year exists. Stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, Joe. This comes courtesy of Jason from Over the Cap, the founder of Over the Cap, one of our most visited websites for probably the last six months. Is that fair? All the last time. eight months? Just all, all the, the time. time? 12 months? 12 yeah. months? Um, Jason put out two tweets yesterday looking at the top 10 and bottom 10 in the NFL in roster retention versus last year. And here's the list of the 10 
most retained rosters from 2022 to 2023 off of their 53-man rosters that they currently possess. The Bengals and the Bills are tied for first with 75.9%. The Ravens are second at 75.4%. The Chargers are the only other team that surpasses 75%, so they are fourth. The Jaguars are fifth at 73.8%. The Commanders are sixth at 73.4%. The Vikings are seventh at 72.9%, which is a surprising one. That's the huge surprise, yes. Uh, The Dolphins at 72%, the Giants at 70.9%, and the 49ers are 10th at 69.5%. Vikings stand out in a big way, right? It feels like there's been a lot of turnover with that roster, but not that much. It's the seventh most retained retained roster year over year. They just, I think the guys that they moved on from were notable because they were older. Older and expensive guys, yeah. Um, what I guess the other team that stands out to me is the commanders, right? Because I feel like all, all of these teams were good, right? I mean, playoff okay. teams. So playoff, playoff teams, the commanders were the only team that was not a right. playoff team, right? Yeah. So they, they stand out to me from that perspective of not a playoff team kept the most of their roster. And it's not like, that's a little bit intriguing to me that they, I know injuries have been a, a thing for Washington, right? And maybe they'll just like stay healthy. Let's go. But I, I maybe thought there would be a little bit more there. I don't know. Is there something to be said for their their big turnover was at quarterback, right? And I guess they moved on from Norwell up front. Right. They just didn't they didn't lose much. They didn't add much. Couple draft picks. Remember, they're like the Forbes and Martin, like their top two picks. A couple of DBs. Who do they yeah. lose? I mean, no, not nothing of substance. Cole Holcomb, JD McKissick. Okay, okay. So their team, I think, I think is interesting because there's of all of those teams, the pressure to perform yes. is the highest for them. A lot of these other teams, case in point, the other nine teams were playoff teams. Also, the Giants for like a new regime that turned over so much, it felt like year one. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've identified some level of a core that they must feel pretty comfortable with. So I think what's interesting about New York is they made a bunch of offensive line investments before this regime got there. And then they kind of piggybacked off of it in year one, in year one by bringing in more. Obviously, they drafted John Michael Schmitz in the second round of this year's mm-hmm. draft. Really felt like, you know, the defense had a lot of positive momentum. So they kind of just added a few pieces there between what they were able to get over the last couple of days and, and really good dice bet or dice rolls with Boogie Basham and Isaiah Simmons and but a lot of the resources were just poured into the skill group of New York and what they have to for Daniel Jones to throw to. That that feels like the only area that there was like a, a big infusion of anything. Yeah. With Darren Waller and Jalen Hyatt. But even some of those other guys that they they ran it back with. Sterling Shepard, Isaiah Hodgins, Gary Slayton still there. 
And the big questions also coming out of the offseason was Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and they're both back. Right. So. How about the bottom 10? The super, least retained. Super interesting. Yes. So here's the middle 12 teams are separated by less than 10%. Okay. We had the top 10 teams were separated by 6%. The next 12 teams were separated by less than 9% technically. Draft needs to do math because the 10th least team. So this would be the 23rd team in the pecking order across the league. Seattle, 60.7. Then you have the Rams at 58.9. The Colts at 58.2. And again, this is players off of last year's 53 that are back on this year's 53. Colts, eighth lowest, 58.2. Raiders, at Patriot Way, baby, 57.4. Get more. Year two, get more of these guys out of here. I got to get my guys. The Falcons and Titans are tied for sixth slash fifth least with 56.5% of their roster retained. The Panthers, 54.4% of their roster retained. The Bears at 50.8% of their roster retained. The Texans or one of two teams with less than 50% of their roster back at 49.2. And the Cardinals, the least retained roster from last year, rightfully so, but nevertheless, 6% below Houston, which is in second place, 43.5%. We are just dumping talent. Not dumping talent. We're, we're dumping players. In Arizona, we are just going to churn the whole thing. And good for you. If you're going to do it right, get assets for what you can, reload, and rebuild. The teams that stand out to me here, I think the most is the Colts. Um, Chris Ballard's entering his seventh year as the general manager and is turning over pretty close to half of the roster from year six to year seven. After the last several days, I will be refraining from any commentary on the Indianapolis Colts. No further questions. What's so interesting about Chris Ballard is I feel like he's got so many fans out there, especially when he first got the job. A lot of love for him. I wonder how much. uh, Yeah, I I just wonder how much like just Jim Ursay just ruins his ability to like. No, no, nothing. Nothing that's happening in Indianapolis is Jim Ursay's fault. Well, because you know, I don't know why fans say that because you can't fire owners. So you want to try to keep I'm, I'm in, just telling in, you what I've been told on life. social media is no, nothing bad in Indianapolis is Jim Mercy's. All right. Well, aside from all of that, I think that's curious to me that so much of that turned over. The other team is, is the Rams, or excuse me, the, the Seahawks, um, another long-established general manager and John Schneider. And I, I guess it makes sense just based on the transition from Rus- Russell Wilson and the draft capital that they received and a lot of young talent. Like, I, I kind of get that. But a playoff team with an established GM, I, I don't know that you would expect – 40% of their roster to be new year over year. But I don't know. Seattle is one of those teams, though, that as we've worked through this offseason and studied these rosters, they're a team that I just I feel better and better about. I really do. Um, and, I mean, what, we have pretty much the three, 75% of the AFC, NFC West is encapsulated in the top the 10, bottom, least, bottom 10 yeah. least retained roster. And San so. Francisco's in the top 10. Right. So just – it, that's dude. That I bet you, if we looked at this in like 2014 or something like that, the AFC East every year, the AFC East exactly, chasing the Patriots, right? Just 
flipping everything around, no continuity, never getting anywhere. Meanwhile, right? Right. Right. The other one's just slow and steady and right. What what do you think what do you think the hardest hurdle of time is? Because you don't want to make changes just for the sake of making changes, right? And continuity can be a good thing, but too much continuity, if there's not enough success, can be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. If if you were to get a GM job, you were starting from, I don't want to say scratch, but not a successful team. You weren't walking into, you, you weren't, I don't know, walking into GM, the Ravens or the, the Steelers. Right. Those are ironically enough two GM changes that have happened in the last <laughs> five, five years, right? Right, like, because long term guy just retired, right? Correct. Like, yes. So so not that. Team is not performing to the standard. They hire a new GM and it's Joe Marino. Hmm. How many years would you tell that owner, I need this to not only get guys in here for a new coach? but then have the process play itself out to get the roster to where like my vision for a team can be completed. I know that's such a crazy vague statement, but like I'm observing some of these teams, like the bears with it, where they're at, at 50.8% turnover. And they're, they're not a first year regime. Right. And then you mentioned Chris Ballard and it's, Less than 60% of the roster is retained in year seven, and there's been a regression there. So sell sell the owner, I need this amount of time. And if it doesn't happen by then, then we'll have to have some hard conversations about what I've been trying to do. Judge me after year three. After year three. Yep. Year three is what I, I need you to allow me to do what I need to do for a couple of years, and then by the end of year three, Say you like the course that we're on or you don't, but I need at least three years. So that's the who's in that window now. This is Detroit's in this window now with their regime. Taste Terry Fontenot, uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. And Atlanta is sixth least retained roster from last year. So they're coming into year three with 56.5% of last year's roster in the judge me year. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more, man. It's it's Fitterer year three. It's weird because he had a coach change. Yeah. I'm floating around producing this thing. So keep, keep talking. Yeah, There's probably a list out there that you can find is like order of NFL GMs and when they were hired. And that would be an amazing list to find right about now. Okay, so <laughs> general managers hires Nick Casario, Houston Texans. Another weird one because of coach change, but two coaching changes. In- oh yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. And and they are second, second most re- yeah, less than second 50% least percent mm. in the judgment year. Now, I don't think it's gonna be a judgment year for for Nick Casario because of what they did the last two seasons. So if that was kind of the understanding, like okay. Uh Denver Broncos, George Payton. Another head coaching change. If you're a GM, just fire your head coach after two years. It buys you George, more time. George Payton has had three head coaches. <laughs> Is Vic, right? It was Vic in 21. Hackett and, and then Hackett Payton. and now Sean Payton. Yeah. Brad Holmes in Detroit. Scott Fitter in Carolina. 
Terry Fontenot in Atlanta, Martin Mayhew in Washington, and Trent Baalke in Jacksonville. So you, I mean, Mayhew and and Balky are the ones that are entering year three with the most retained rosters of those guys that we just talked that you just mentioned that right. are in the year three window, which probably, with pressure on, justifies for Mayhew why you kept as much as what you did. I know what I have. I need to fill in around what I have because I need to perform because there's pressure to perform. It's crazy to consider it through that lens and how drastic we saw the situations. Right. Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, takes on takes tomorrow. That's the plan. That's the plan. comment. Comment on the YouTube video. Leave us your takes. We will react to them. Hence takes on takes. We provide our takes on your takes of your hot takes of the league. And that's going to take us into uh, the last NFL less weekend until February president's day weekend, February. Yeah. February. Yeah. yeah. So buckle up. Hit subscribe. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We are locked on NFL scouting, and we are also out of here.